and welcome to the third in our series of podcasts looking at the whiplash reforms. I'm Glenn Thompson, technical lead for Mainstream Motor, and this time I will be your host as we look at all things indemnity. With our first podcast, we looked at, in an overarching sense, at the full gambit of the reforms that went live on the 31st of May being the small claims track limit increase, the reform specifically relating to whiplash injuries and the creation of the OIC portal. Thereafter, we took an in-depth look at all things relating to liability and statements of truth in the OIC portal. This time we stick with the OIC portal and we take an in-depth look at how the question of indemnity is dealt with by the portal system and explore some of the issues that insurers are likely to face. I'm delighted to be joined on this occasion by Paul Ryan and Tubb. Paul is a partner here at Waitmans and heads our indemnity and technical team. Before joining Waitmans, Paul spent two decades with the Motor Insurers Bureau, where he was Chief Technical Officer and Chair of MIB's Technical Committee. He is roundly regarded as a leading authority on all matters relating to motor indemnity. Hello, Paul. Hello, Glyn. Good to be here. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us. So, Paul, what do we mean when we talk about indemnity in relation to this new portal? Can you give us a brief overview of how the OIC portal system is designed to deal with indemnity, please? Yeah, sure. I mean, it Issues of indemnity and motor claims are critical for insurers, whether they're OIC claims or not. The OIC is no exception to that. It's about understanding whether an insurer has to deal with a claim. Is, is it responsible to deal with it under its policy or within the terms of the law? Is the policy operating? Was the vehicle covered? And, and really, is the insurer going to have to pay at all? No insurer wants to pay claims that they're not required to pay. No, nobody wants to um, add leakage to, to, to their numbers. So, so in that sense, it's a critical issue for insurers. Um, as to the overview of the OIC uh, portal in this area, essentially the OIC identifies an insurer using a vehicle registration number from the MID and then allocates that claim to that insurer. So that, that's the way the system works. Okay, all sounds well and good. For most cases, I'd imagine, but my immediate thought is that the MID isn't 100% reliable, of course. So what kind of problems do you envisage? You're absolutely right, Glyn. It, it isn't. And that's not a criticism. That's just a fact of life, that there are nearly 40 million uh, vehicles in the UK and, and all, all of those changing hands, insurers all of the time. Um, so the database isn't 100% reliable. It is in a huge majority of cases, as you say. But the sort of things that could crop up are for one reason or another, the MID might identify more than one insurer for the same vehicle. So that leads to the question as to who should, who should the claim go to, who should it be pointed at. Um, there might not be an insurer on the MID at all, so that there's another issue. Or the MID might point the claim at the insurer that the database says is on risk for that vehicle, but the insurer thinks, hang on, it's not one for us, we're not on risk, just... You know, simple example, because the policyholders sold the vehicle before the accident. So those are the kind of scenarios that are going to crop up here. Okay, thanks. Can, can we look at those a little bit more closely then, Paul? Um, so what's the situation where the MID identifies two insurers? What happens there? Um, 
That one's fairly straightforward. We understand that OIC themselves, so a team within the MIB, will investigate those cases and look into which insurer should deal with the claim and then allocate it to the relevant insurer. Um, the, the thing I would add there is that according to the rules where that happens, time isn't running um, until the claim is allocated to the insurer. So insurers need not be too concerned about that, only that they'll be contacted by the OIC team to establish whether the case is truly one for them. Yeah, time being the 30 days that insurers have to respond. Correct. Yeah, I see, I see. So second scenario then, uh, what about if the mid doesn't throw up an insurer at all? Well, on the face of it, then that's a claim um, where the vehicle is uninsured. And as we all know, the MIB deals with claims involving uninsured drivers. So the case will go to the MIB. But as with any other claim, one thing that the MIB will do is have a look to see if there is an insurer who should be dealing with it instead of them. So in that case, the MIB, if it finds an insurer, will talk to that insurer and look to pass the claim to them. Um, what, what happens there with regards to the time frame? As you may know, the MIB actually get 40 days to investigate these claims. And when it passes a claim to the insurer, the rules say that the insurer gets the remainder of that 40 day period to investigate and make their decision. However long that might be, whether it's 39 days or five days. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. I think the third scenario you mentioned, Paul, was an insurer receives a claim and it, it believes it's not on risk because I think the example you used is the policyholder informs the insurer that the vehicle was sold beforehand. What would be the situation there? Well, yeah, thanks, Glyn. That That's an interesting one. And actually, there's been a recent case on that. There's nothing specific in the rules about that. Um, but insurers should not be of the view that simply because they are the insurer on the MID, they are liable to deal with it. In a recent case of Nagorski versus Nikolix and Tradewise, there was an argument about whether the insurer on the MID was liable for the claim, where the policyholder had sold the vehicle before the accident. If you look up Nagorski, N-A-G-O-R-S-K-I, on the search function in the Waitman's website, you'll find our client update on that case. It's useful and interesting. So, so what does the insurer do? It's got a situation where the system has pointed the claim to the insurer. It doesn't think it's liable. It could deny liability in, in, in the system itself, in the OIC portal. That, in theory, leads to proceedings and potentially a, a hearing at court. Now, According to the rules, the courts are required to decide firstly if the defendant is liable and secondly if the insurer should pay. So you could end up with a situation where the defendant might be liable and the insurer says, no, we're not obliged to pay because we're not liable, point to that case. Um, insurers could use the complexity option and, and take the matter out of the OIC portal, but that may have cost consequences. Um, uh, the overriding point, I think, is that insurers need to establish whether or not there is another possible insurer. It could be that the policyholders sold the vehicle and the new owner has insured it. So find out who that is and speak to that insurer. If it looks like it's a case where the vehicle is not being insured at all by the new owner, then insurers should talk to the MIB. And, and indeed, OIC themselves have said that there will be an administration function to transfer claims from one insurer to the other. And indeed, the MIB will take claims from insurers where it accepts that um, the driver was uninsured. 
So you, you have to remember in all of this that the emphasis is really on compensating claimants. And my advice to insurers would be to try and collaborate, cooperate, and find out who should be dealing with the claim and pass the claim over so that someone can proceed to compensate the claimant. Yeah, that's super, Paul. Thank you. Uh, are we getting ahead of ourselves slightly? We're assuming, aren't we, that there's always a driver identified? What if there's not been a driver identified? Indeed, there might not be. And, and the MID won't really help you there because it just looks at the vehicle registration number and says that vehicle's insured by this insurer. That doesn't change the position, however, if the driver's not identified, as you say, Glyn, that's a claim that should go to the MIB under the untraced driver's agreement. Nothing has changed in the law that says an insurer is obliged to deal with the claim where the driver's not identified. There's a Supreme Court authority on that in Cameron and Hussein, an LV, which was ran a couple of years ago. So, so that's, that's the situation in law. That hasn't changed with the invention of the OIC. So one thing insurers do need to check is that they're satisfied the driver of the vehicle they insure has been identified. Okay, just just standing back and thinking about it, really, there's a lot of there's a lot of need for insurers to speak across to each other and speak to the MIB. It just seems a little uncertain to me about, um, you know, how an insurer should deal with these these claims relative to what the rules say. Is is anything else happening here to assist insurers? There is, yeah, absolutely, Glenn. And insurers recognise this, and uh, the ABI have coordinated a memorandum of understanding, which includes the MIB within that. And that's a mechanism by which insurers can communicate with each other and the MIB in order to get the claim in the right place. I said earlier, this really should be about compensating innocent victims and getting the claim paid in the right place. So that's a really good idea, helps to get claims paid, helps insurers to push claims to the relevant insurer or the MIB. Um, allowing cases going to trial, you might be all very clever and get a victory, but it all seems a bit unnecessary here when, when a claimant needs to be paid by somebody, be it the insurer or the MIB. Um, and the way, as I understand from conversations I've had, that insurers can, can get involved in that MOU is by contacting the ABI um, who will point them in the right direction. So that's that's up and running, as I understand it. It's operating and it's working. Yeah, no, that seems to me that has to be the answer, doesn't it? You, as opposed to the situation you, you discussed of um, insurers denying claims to a trial just mm. so that the judge can say that they're not liable. Seems bizarre. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> okay. Listen, Paul, uh, thank you very much for all of that. I think that pretty much summarizes the, the indemnity issues as I understand them. Anything else do you think our listeners might need to know about indemnity issues within the OIC portal or everything we have there should I, suffice? Thanks, Glenn. I, I think that covers the key issues that we've been aware of from conversations with clients. And, and all I would say is that feel free to contact us. You know, we've got a great team at Waitman's and feel free to contact me personally. Um, if, if you have any issues around this or, or you'd like some further explanation or help. So uh, we're always listening to clients, always listening to insurers to understand what the issues are and looking to, to assist. So you're very welcome, Glyn. Thank you very much. Paul, thanks once again. So next in our series, I will be joined by Jeff Turton, our head of motor fraud here at Waitman's, and we'll discuss the OIC portal and how it's designed to deal with fraud, if at all, 
and what insurers might wish to consider as they decide how best to deal with claims on which they've got concerns. But for now, all that's left for me to say is a big thank you once again to Paul for his views and insights on indemnity issues in the OIC portal. A very tricky area for dealing with any motor claim, let alone one in the OIC portal. We hope you enjoyed this third podcast in our series of 10. As I say, look out for the fourth, which will be released soon, which will consider fraud in the OIC portal. If in the meantime you wish to discuss any aspect of these reforms, then please do not hesitate to contact either Paul or myself, whose details appear at the bottom of the screen. Thank you for listening.